0: This is Mises Weekends with your host, Jeff Dice. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Once again, it's Mises Weekends. I'm joined by my good friend from Switzerland, Claudio Gras. He's someone I've known for a few years. Uh, I've known him through the precious metals industry. He was uh, recently at PFS in Bodrum uh, at Professor Hoppe's event and is now visiting us in the U.S. He's a precious metals advisory agent uh, for Swiss and worldwide clients, Claudio. Great Pleasure. to see you. Pleasure to be here, uh, Jeff. Very happy to have you bringing us Swiss chocolate <laughs> here in Auburn, which is just one one uh, good Swiss export. But uh, I, I would just want to set this up a little bit. We're talking this weekend about the Swiss model. Obviously, America has some very deep social divisions, a culture war. We have a, a really nasty political environment since Trump won. And as libertarians, as ANCAPs, we have some answers, some thoughts about how to ratchet down the hatred in society. And the number one way, we would argue, is by sort of depoliticizing things, uh, by having private societies, private ownership, private property. But short of that, in the world in which we live here and now, there's actually a country, your home country of Switzerland, that's doing a better job of making life less political. And and Switzerland is basically doing that through a very uh, direct and hardcore principle of subsidiarity and decentralization, which I I gotta say, I'm a little blown away because when you look at the Swiss legislature's own website, the way they talk about subsidiarity as as an important contribution to social cohesion, I'm quoting here, is really amazing. So I wanna talk a little bit about about Switzerland, uh, but from a libertarian or ANCAP perspective. you know, first and foremost, uh, let me just say, you said something the other day to me. You know, people get a little scared when you talk about hardcore libertarianism or anarcho-capitalism. But when you talk to them about the Swiss model and, and radical decentralization, they, they feel more comfortable yeah. with that. To talk a little
1: bit about that. Absolutely. Well, I think when you, when you um, try to explain, I mean, as, as a libertarian, of course, you know, for me, uh, any kind of government is basically a criminal act. Uh, but, you know, when we talk about anarchism, uh, then, you know, most people are so far away uh, from that concept or the only the idea about that concept that they don't know how, how to handle that kind of thought and what kind of picture they can basically draw in their own mind, how it would be. So I always combine it with, with Switzerland because we really have, uh, you know, first of all, we're a nation defined by our own will. You know we had mm. in twelve ninety one basically we had three guys coming together taking an oath to you know to fight against foreign reefs and uh, uh, foreign oppression. and that's the whole basic idea of, of Switzerland, you know staying free independent sovereign. and when we look at the the decentralized structures, you know we are Basically, we have four different languages. We, have, we were formed by different ethical groups, different religions. So basically, when we look at how a nation state is defined in these days, you know, basically you are saying, hey, the same ethnical group or the same religion, same language. So Switzerland is none of this. Right. I mean, there, is another, there is another country on this planet which has the same basis, and that would be the United States at the end of the day. But because of that diversity and the decentralization, you know, it was able that the, the, the Italian-speaking part from the Roman-speaking uh, part, the German-speaking part, French-speaking part, they had their own their own culture. And because th- we didn't have a centralized government, which tried to oppress and, you know, come up with one single rule for all of them, uh, we had a lot of competition. And decentralization means competition, and it also means competition of ideas. And it also respects, of course, you know, the different cultural uh habits uh, of certain regions, and I think that's why Switzerland today is a great model, Mm -hmm. just to give you know the direction uh, in which this world could, you know, modify uh, themselves.
0: Well, you talk about diversity, obviously America is very diverse uh, ethnically, religiously in terms of national origin, but we don't have that many different languages, a lot of people speak Spanish, but they also speak English. Uh, So even though Switzerland is about eight and a half million people, I think it it is diverse. And so talk about this idea of decentralization, subsidiarity, making real diversity more possible and creating social cohesion. In other words, the different parts of Switzerland, the different cantons uh, don't have to fear each other as much as people in the U.S. feel like they have to fear each other's political power.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean – I think the key is, you know, that Switzerland really has been founded on the ideas of, uh, you know, the, the principles of subsidiarity. From the beginning. From the beginning. So, basically, solve all issues at the lowest mm-hmm. level. You know, if your municipality, I mean, they were responsible still up to today. I mean, you know, they can t- raise taxes. Uh, they're responsible for, to elect, you know, the, the teachers, electricity, water supply. They're looking after the roads. So, stuff had been settled on that level. And if, let's say, the municipality got the problem, which it couldn't handle alone, then they were able to call up the next high level, which is the state. So okay. that's, that's the whole concept. And okay. of course, that keeps, that keeps it, you know, I mean, I like Aristoteles, you know, the mm-hmm. Greek philosopher. And he always said, you know, hmm. Demos, the village, Kratia, the rulers. So a democracy can work, but on a very low scale. Uh, you know when you really limit the power of the politicians, because as we know, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, look at even at the federal level. You no, know, we have not one president; we have seven presidents. Right. So even there, a division of of power is is implemented, and uh, and at the end of the day, um, when the government uh, tries to you know come up with a new idea, they want to change the constitution, whatever. Uh, basically, the people are the sovereign. So you know we we can always raise signatories and then we have to we can bring it in front of of the people, but the final vote at the end of the day have the Swiss people, and that right. that prevents uh, you know a lot of this progress which is um, which is taking faster place you know in other countries than right. based right. on the on on the rule of law in, in Switzerland.
0: Well, talk about how minimalist really the federal administrative state is. Uh, you, you may remember Lou Rockwell wrote a famous article one time about how he wakes up the day after the presidential election yeah. and nothing's really changed. It's on the back page of the paper. It doesn't really matter who won the presidency. This is more or less true right. in Switzerland where you have uh, uh, presidents who just serve, I, I think, one-year periods right. and also the legislature meets very, just temporarily.
1: Right. They come together four times uh, a year mm-hmm. uh, for a short session. So, you know, the, f- the federal level, basically, that's their responsible for the foreign and security police. So basically, defense—you uh, know—there are customs is under their uh, rule. The monetary policy, uh, unfortunately, we also have central bank. I mean, the the great evil of, of our times, and uh, and of course legislation that applies to the whole country. Okay. Uh, and defense and that's it. And when we look at the, I think it's it's important to see you know how it is how a country is being financed. So when we look at the. Taxation, I mean, all the three levels, you know, the the federal government, the state level, on the municipality level, they can all raise taxes. And we have, uh, on all three levels, we have uh, basically um, executive, legislative, and the judicial judicial branch. Um, So when we look at how the taxes are distributed, I mean, the federal level gets 10%. -hmm. That's it. And then the 90% 90%, uh, are, you know, the biggest portion remains with the municipality and then a certain portion goes to the state. And of course, you know, so we have, based on that structure, we have a lot of competition because if a municipality decides, you know, to raise taxes uh, and the people are not happy with it, even if they are, you know, the 49% losing, uh, they have the possibility to vote with their Right. You know, they can say, okay, I don't like it in, in the village of Hünenberg, so I'm, will, I will move to the next one in Kham, which is maybe 1.5 kilometers away. <laughs> yeah. And so that always keeps, you know, the, the politicians and also the ambitions of these guys uh, yeah. heavily under control.
0: We're sort of the opposite. We tend to send about 80% to federal of our taxes, maybe 20% to state, 1% one, one or 2% local. Um yeah, this is but crazy. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the history of the United States and our Constitution, we were set up much the same: a, a, a central government of very limited constitutional power; uh, the, the rest subordinated to the states. It didn't last. It lasted less than hundred years. The Civil War comes along. H- how is how is Switzerland managed to make federalism last? Why doesn't the central government try to encroach uh, on smaller on on communal or municipal governments?
1: I mean, first of all, I think it has to do with the DNA of the people, uh, you know, the whole culture, the history. So we never had a king, we never had a president, so we don't trust central uh, authority. Uh, we, don't, we know that government cannot give what it has stolen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we just had, you know, for, for example, a few months ago, we had a, a public vote that every, every family of four gets an unconditional basic income of 75,000 francs a year. And we had 78% of the people saying no to that offer. And I think that's quite unique in these days. Or we had another vote, yeah. you know, going for six weeks of vacation, mandatory six weeks for everyone. So the Swiss were saying no against their, you know, they could have profited from it, but they understand what it's about, you know, to keep the government out of, uh, out of that business, which, yeah, he has nothing. Yeah. He shouldn't yeah. have a say in that. So I think that's, um, that's really, you know, part of it. And then the other aspect definitely is, With our political structures, we have chained the government uh, to ensure that the government does not put chains on us, on the people and enslaves us. And I think there we have done a better job based on our structures than for example in the United States, because I mean, the idea of your constitution uh, was also pretty good, but. The politicians, they just come up with new amendments and change it and interpret it uh, completely different. But I think the wording was also basically quite clear what, uh, you know, the the founding fathers meant by uh, putting chains on the political system and the politicians.
0: Well, so 78% of Swiss, or at least Swiss voters, voted against a universal basic income guarantee. And you said about 70,000 Swiss francs? 75.
1: 75. 75. there was a figure that has been brought up. I mean, it was not okay. 100% clear how much they are going to receive, but basically the idea was, you know, 75,000, that should be... Is that
0: middle class existence?
1: Well, it's below, I mean, you know, not everything is shiny in Switzerland, and we can see yeah. that. You know, in the past, we had, you know, the bankers were basically the guys making the the, the biggest average income. Right now, it became, you know, the, the government employees, so, so they have an average income of 140,000. Right, right, um, okay. So 75000 is at least, um, you can live with it, uh, but definitely not. Yeah. I mean, Switzerland is expensive.
0: Well, I think in the U.S., e- even even U.S. libertarians, I'm not sure 78% of them would vote against universal basic income. But certainly US, the U.S. population generally, uh, that, that might prevail here if that was ever held to a vote. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about how wars abroad uh, diminish liberties at home. Talk about how staying out of two world wars, particularly in the 20th century, staying neutral in those wars helps uh, create the Switzerland you have today. And and you talk about sovereignty and freedom being in the Swiss DNA. Do you think Switzerland would look a lot different if you gotten pulled into those European wars?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think there is also, I mean, you know, the Swiss, you know, we never had um, resources in the ground. You know, we're pretty, you know, we had uh, the Alps, which made it hard, you know, to control the whole territory. Um, but I mean, even Engels, he was, he was traveling around end of this 18th century and then he, he came back and he was saying, yeah, Europe has a great f- and bright future, with one exception, that's Switzerland, because it's a <laughs> shitty country, <laughs> they speak different <laughs> languages, they have no centralized power and no natural resources and so on. Um, Just this mountainous place right. with no resources. Right. And um, and and the Swiss. I mean, we have you know. So in the past, basically, we have been you know the toughest and the most brutal mercenaries, mm-hmm. you know, because they had to survive somehow, and we had winter time and summer time, something they had to plan, and it was not easy to make a living in Switzerland. So we basically exported a lot of uh, mercenaries, and that lasted uh, until the big battle of Marignano, fifteen fifteen, where basically we had uh, you know on both sides approximately 10,000 mercenaries fighting against each other and killing. The Swiss were killing each other. And up to then, we had also ambitious, you know, the, the Swiss were strong, hard, hard fighters. So they tried, uh, you know, also to take over, you know, especially and northern, northern Italy. And uh, after that battle of Marignano, uh, at least, you know, the Swiss decided, okay, we stay out of, out of uh, you know, we, we don't have expansionary lust any longer. So we stay within our borders. And so then, you know, that, that that's the kind of the basic setup. And then, of course, First first World War, Second World War, um, also 1815, there was the, the Congress in Vienna, where it has been decided that Switzerland remains uh, a sovereign, armed, neutral country by the, the foreign powers uh, that has an impact. And uh, so that's why we survived. I mean, the First World War uh, was not... The threat was not that big as in the Second World War, but I do remember the Second World War. We had the famous General Guizot, um, and he said, "You know, we are not going to surrender, and the Swiss will fight to the last man standing." And the Germans, the Italians—I mean, they—we were surrounded by by those guys. Uh, I sure. mean, they knew exactly, you know, if if we fa- if we fight the Swiss, I mean, it's, it's a piece of land which is. Not, not as much you know, important of importance, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but they also knew that we are going to fight hard, and uh, I think that was one of the reasons they haven't invaded uh, Switzerland, because it was really, yeah. yeah, neutrality only works if you have armed forces and you are strong to defend the right. neutrality if necessary.
0: Well, when you were a young guy, you, we spoke a little bit yesterday about your mandatory service time in the, yeah. in the Swiss military. You, were, you uh, were the head of a tank company. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you resent that? Did you feel fine about being conscripted? Did you feel proud of being in the Swiss military? I mean, talk, talk about your thinking as a young guy then.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as a young guy, I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, I had a great time. In the, in the military and fact of course you know for a young guy it's always a shooting and uh, yeah. you know playing soldier I mean it's great it's it's an adventure no real war uh, no real war <laughs> and uh, yeah
0: and in, the, in the. US you actually get sent oh to. that's I mean yeah
1: that's no I think yeah an army needs you know we have to defend our borders and, and therefore people need to understand you know that if, if you have an army then it's basically for national defense. We should not yeah. fight uh, somewhere uh, at the Hindukush to defend our liberty yeah. over there. I mean, this is nonsense.
0: And how about how about were were women conscripted as well?
1: Back then, uh, hardly. I mean, we just had a few uh, logistic groups where basically women, if they really wanted, if they, they wanted could to. they could sign up. Uh, so of course, that agenda is also pushed being forward you know, by our national mm-hmm. government. They want to involve the girls more, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't find it uh, basically unnecessary. I think. Uh, but at, at least, you know, I mean, as long as the people understand why they serve, you know, to protect liberty and freedom in in a harsh crisis scenario, I mean, that must be that must be the goal.
0: What do you think about the mindset of young Swiss today? Are they as socialist, left wing, as jaded as? Uh, young Germans or young Brits, or do you think that they still retain some of the Swiss DNA that you've
1: that you talked about? It's it's pretty interesting. I think there is uh, you you have the differences between the cities and the rural areas. Yeah, you know, i mean, the rural yeah. areas. Sometimes I'm surprised to see how sound the youth is over there. You know, in in terms of thinking, and they wanna they want to do yeah, they want to pursue their 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 happiness. Um, they are quite conservative. I mean, when you look at especially you know, the SVP, which is a so-called right-wing party, mm-hmm. uh, but it stands for, you know, and they, they occupy the right topics. They are saying you know, sovereignty, neutrality, independency, small state, that's their topics. So they have a, a, a lot of the young people uh, basically are sympathizing with, with SVP. And then, of course, the more you go into the city areas, the more socialistic it becomes, and the more multicultural uh, also it becomes, and you know, in combination with the big multinationals, so it it has. And you can also see, you know, when when elections take or when votes are taking place, then then you always see the, the differences. But the majority, uh, so far, I mean, I'm. Uh, you know, we, we, we tried to end uh, uh, Swiss uh, propaganda. For example, so we were gathering 100,000 signatories because we are forced to pay 1.4 billion uh, to finance
0: P- public broadcasting.
1: Public broadcasting, so to finance basically government propaganda. <laughs> and so we raised 100,000 signatories, saying, "Hey, we leave it up to the people. In the future, they should decide if they want to do it freely or not." And uh, so I was, you know, I was also helping them to raise some some signatories, uh, and uh, then I had to talk with a lot of different people and. It gives you a good insight, you know, in all those different how right, this swiss because right you you speak to I don't know I I most likely have spoken to five six hundred people and uh, I would say seventy five percent absolutely great wow you know they still they still have it they 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 understand that the, the real ways basis they are kind of liberty oriented without knowing that they right you know, are kind of of libertarians right. and so on so I'm I'm positive I mean I'm right. Of course you know the centralized government they also try to get more power and, and uh, grip on it but sure. uh, so far the swiss are resisting pretty good I,
0: I want to touch briefly on swiss banks they've lost their luster somewhat uh, in, in terms of the privacy they used to afford yep. the swiss national bank has also gone off the rails in the last five or ten years for a while it, it had tied the uh, swiss franc to the euro there was a peg yep. i guess that's been released talk about the banking sector and banking culture in Switzerland and how what it used
1: to be versus what it is now. Yeah, the 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 work ethic. You know, I think I mean what we can experience since 2008. I mean, we have seen a lot of money went to Singapore and Hong Kong, and now basically over the last two years, uh, three years, it's coming back again because just the whole culture, the, the way the way the people uh, work. You know, the way the, the 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 privacy, at least you know amongst the bankers and so on. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's still, you know, a better culture. But when we look, of course, at the UBS or so Credit Suisse, I mean, they are not, no Swiss banks. Multinationals. They are, I mean, yeah, UBS had, you know, more employees in the United States than in Switzerland. And uh, so they are part of the system. Uh, you know, Credit Suisse even has, they have a CEO right now coming from the ivory Coast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Swiss banking, we still have a few private banks, mm-hmm. smaller banks, uh, which have also Swiss uh, leadership. We even have private banks where the partner are responsible for their own wealth. So these are, you know, you need f- for the Swiss banking, for an, a nation that is, is saying, hey, okay, we are independent, sovereign. If the Americans come up saying, hey, this is a crook or there's a crook, I mean, yeah. We, we know international politics, so it's not always that, you know, the right. crooks are really the crooks. Right. So And in the past, basically, the Swiss uh, bankers, they understood that in, in a, in a post, it has been abused as well, of course. Uh, uh, which is always happening if you have a certain amount of of liberty. But um, I think, yeah, the Swiss banks, you know, it's too big. The banking system definitely still, I mean, it has shrink, but, you know, when we look at the leverage in the banking system, it's huge. When we look at the central bank, it's the hedge fund at the end of the day. Um, But that's why we have to make sure that more Swiss people are also buying physical gold, you know, because, I mean, it's everywhere. Pension funds, I mean, it's a joke if somebody relies on the, on the pension or, you know, the promises by the government. I mean when we look at these unfunded liabilities all over the world, yeah. you know, which is 15, 20 times higher than the funded debt, it just shows, you know, it's bankrupt. What I also try to do in the future is, you know, really go out, talk to the Swiss people and try to explain them gold, why gold and how you can protect yourself. You can be you can have your own pension fund and you're not right. so that you're not depending right. on, on the government promises. Right.
0: Well, we're almost out of time. I'd like to ask you a little bit uh, in closing here about the real diversity amongst the cantons. They have their own coat of arms. They're a lot like U.S. states in that sense, but I think they have a lot more power and leeway than U.S. states do relative to the federal administrative state. Uh, Could you have different social uh, rules and regulations at the canton level? Here, I think America would benefit greatly if we could. Uh, you know, move abortion and gun control and religion, some of these really contentious issues down to a more local level instead of this federal one-size-fits-all policy that makes everybody miserable and and angry at each other. Um, Is there diversity even among social policies amongst the cantons?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to, you know, health and social security, I mean, that's still on a a state or canton level. Okay. So so it can be, you know, if you you go to Geneva, for example, then uh, it might be that your health insurance is might be double the price as in the, in the state of Zug, where I live, for example. Uh, so I think, yeah, the best is really diversifying, you know, I, I mean, decentralization, uh, cut off, you know, cut off the money which is going to the central state and, you know, really try to, to move those responsibilities away from the center and bring it down on the next level. I think that's, that's the best way. I mean, right. for, yeah, the money, right. uh, you have to cut the money to okay. get these guys out of power uh Absolutely. and you can organize it yourself on on a, on, a, on a lower level and it's it's not a problem at all and i think that would also be great great for for the united states
0: well, I hope so, because we're, we're in such an ugly period where yeah. people are talking about civil war. Claudio, I want to thank you for your time. It's great to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will post a link uh, to the Swiss uh, legislative website, which is unbelievable because it's not grandiose or expansionist. It's actually humble and, and self-effacing. So when was the last time you saw a legislature saying, we want less power? Uh, really amazing, and, and I think it's important for ANCAPs and libertarians to be talking about uh, maybe not real-world solutions, but at least real-world uh, direction. So uh, with that, Claudio, thanks again. Great to see you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great weekend. Subscribe to Mises Weekends via iTunes U, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or listen on mises.org and YouTube.